If you have a Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 4. Si trajo su Biblia, vaya a Proverbios capítulo 4, el verso 25 en adelante. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 25. We'll begin there. We've been talking about the coat our father gave us, and we're talking about the life of Joseph, really not doing a step-by-step study of his life, but more a big picture view, a bird's-eye view of the life of this incredible man of God. And in our Bible studies, uh, this last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, Joseph's attitude. How many of you have a good attitude? All right, if you don't, you can have one, all right? It's... It's absolutely free. It's your choice. And the Holy Spirit will give you one if you want one. We talked about Joseph's uh, perspective and the, the, the fact that when you focus on the promise perspective versus the problem perspective, uh, you can make a lot of progress in life. Uh, we also talked about uh, Joseph's speech and how the words that we use have a lot of power in determining how far we're going to get. Uh, hemos hablado de José, hablamos de la actitud de José y de tener una buena actitud. Uh, hablamos de la perspectiva de José, que él tenía la perspectiva de la promesa y no la pres- perspectiva del problema. También hablamos de uh, la habilidad de José de usar sus palabras para edificar su futuro y no destruirlo. Y hablamos de cómo nuestras palabras tienen un increíble poder. Uh, and I hope you take that to heart, what we said last week. The Bible says that we will, that our words will satisfy us. That means we will eat our words. Dice la escritura que nuestras palabras van a satisfacernos. Entonces, lo que hablamos un día lo vamos a comer, lo vamos a vivir. One day or another you're going to eat your words. So use good ones. Si usted va a comerse sus palabras un día, si yo me voy a comer mis palabras, entonces vale más usar buenas palabras. And you know, if you don't use, if you don't know good words, what do you have to do? You have to adjust. You have to learn some new vocabulary. Tiene que ajustar, ajustarse a un nuevo vocabulario para poder hablar conforme la palabra de Dios. And really what we're saying is, we're saying to line up our mouth with the Word of God. Tenemos que poner nuestra boca en, uh, en línea con la Palabra de Dios. And when you start speaking the Word of God over your life, your mind gets in, in motion. Cuando usted habla la Palabra de Dios sobre su vida, su mente comienza a moverse en la dirección de, la, de esa Palabra que usted ha hablado. And you know, a lot of the time, this is not the message tonight, but I think somebody here must need to hear this. So, a lot of the times, people's life uh, is the constant rehearsal of words which they heard when they were growing up, when they were teenagers, words that said they were incapable, that they were dumb, that they were stupid, that they would never amount to anything, and they haven't amounted to anything, and they have lived out the words that they heard in their life. And so I'm glad you're here tonight because you're getting into your life new words. The Word of God. How many of you know that since you started following God and you started getting His Word, that your life has changed? Amen. All right, that was weak, okay, but it's a Wednesday night. It kind of snuck up on you, so I'm going to ask you again. How many of you know you can mark a difference 
in your pre-Christ life and your post-Christ life. You know that the Word of God has made a difference in your life. Amen. So that means you need to be in every Bible study. You need to be every Sunday morning in the house of God. Because the Word of God can do that. And if, if you want a change in your life, friend, get in the Word. Get in the Word and the Word will get into you. And when the Word has got into you, it will bear some amazing fruit. So tonight I want to read from Proverbs. And I want to tie this together with the life of Joseph. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25, did you find it already? It says, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit, which we have experienced in this place. I thank you that we have been called sons of God through the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in each, each one of our lives. I thank you for this Bible, which is life-giving to the spirit of man. And I ask you tonight to anoint me to teach the word of God, which is living and powerful, and make my words your words. Make my words effective tonight. And I pray that they would be pleasing to you. I pray as well that as these words are spoken, that they would come into everyone's heart and be fruitful seed in their life. I ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The book of Genesis, we find the story of David. And I shared with you on Sunday how David was attacked and put in a pit by his brothers. How many of you have gotten up out of that pit? And well, David, Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers and he was um, attacked. And the words that they used were these words. They said, we're going to kill Joseph and then we'll see what will become of his dream. Los hermanos de José cuando lo atacaron, lo echaron al pozo, dijeron vamos a matarlo y a ver qué se hace de su sueño. And what, what, what I discovered in listening to that is that they knew that the only way to stop Joseph's dream from being fulfilled was to kill him. Los hermanos de José entendieron esto, que la única manera de matar el sueño de José era de, o de, de destruir el sueño de José era de matarlo. And what that tells us tonight is that as long as you're still breathing, as long as there is still life in you, there is still hope for God to do what he has promised and spoken into your life. As long as you can get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to go for it again. I'm going to give it another shot. I am going to walk in the direction of my, of my uh, vision, of the dream you have put into my life. As long as you can do that, there is hope. Eh, eh, mientras usted se puede levantar en la mañana y decir, Señor, ese es un día nuevo, yo voy a pelear la buena batalla, yo voy a seguir adelante, voy a seguir el sueño que tú has puesto en mi vida, todavía hay esperanza para tu vida. And it looks like, from what I can tell tonight, and everybody in here is still breathing, and that means that everyone in here tonight still has some hope. Say amen, somebody. Todo lo que estamos aquí esta noche, tenemos la capacidad de soñar porque todavía hay vida 
en nosotros. And so tonight I want to add a fourth thing to our list. We talked about adjusting. We, we spoke about adjusting our attitude. We talked about adjusting our perspective, adjusting our speech. Tonight I want to talk about adjusting your focus. Quiero hablar esta noche de ajustando tu enfoque. Because if, in order for you and I to arrive at the place that God has prepared for us, we have to stay focused. Tell your neighbors, stay focused. How many of you are easily distracted? ¿Cuántos de ustedes son fácilmente distraídos? You know, I want to just tell you that, that you guys don't think about this, you don't know this, but the pastor in most churches, this is true for sure here, the pastor sees everything. All right? And some people think the pastor doesn't notice, but sometimes uh, it's easy to get distracted while preaching. One day I was preaching, and uh, a couple was making a goo-goo-ga-ga conversation with a baby that was in someone's shoulder. And it was, uh, it was like they were looking at me instead of the baby, and they were saying, goo-goo-ga-ga. I was like, okay, this is, this is getting weird. I don't have to stop this. All right. A veces uh, ustedes no piensan en esto, pero el pastor cuando está predicando, usted puede ser una distracción. Uh, uh, una, en una ocasión estaba una pareja uh, hablando con un niño, y, pero parecía que me estaban haciendo las caras a mí. ¿Cómo está mi hijo? Uh, y, y así pasa que en nuestras vidas Dios nos ha dado un destino, un propósito. En each one of our lives. God has given us a purpose. He's given us a mission. And just like the pastor standing up to deliver the word of God, there are distractions that come up to hinder you from getting where you need to go. Hay distracciones que entran para quitarte de llegar a donde tú debes de llegar. And for the same reason then, you ought not to get distracted while you're hearing the word, right? Because there's something being spoken that you need to hear. Hay algo en la palabra cuando alguien está predicando que usted necesita oír. Así que no se distraiga. No deje que nada lo distraiga de oír esa palabra. And this is true in church. It's true in life. That there is a need in every one of our lives to remain focused. Tell your neighbor again, stay focused. Dígale una, una vez a su vecino, enfócate. You know that focus is powerful. If we take all the light in this room and we, we turn all the lights in here, it, it gives light to every corner of the room. That's great. But if you take light and you put it through one lens, all focus, that light becomes a laser that can cut through metal. What happens when your life becomes laser focused? ¿Qué pasaría en tu vida cuando tu vida está enfocada en hacer lo que Dios te creó y te llamó para hacer? And the reality is this, church, that unless we learn to focus, we either delay or, or set back the thing that God wants to do in our life. A veces por la falta de enfoque, ponemos a distancia entre nosotros y la cosa que Dios quiere hacer en nuestra vida. So look at the words of Proverbs. Vamos a ver las palabras aquí del proverbio que hemos leído. It says, let your eyes look directly ahead. Dice que tus ojos miren directamente hacia el frente. 
Let your eyes look directly ahead. Que tus ojos no vean al lado, sino derecho hacia el frente. It has the image or the picture of a horse that has been uh, put blinders on his eyes. Como un caballo que se le han puesto a cobertura sobre sus ojos para que no vea las cosas que están a su lado. And so that he can't see the things that are on his side. Friend, whether your goal is to make it to heaven, which I think is everybody's goal, say amen. amen. And whether your goal is to live a, a to, to develop a happy marriage and a happy life, say amen. And if your goal is to have financial prosperity and to, to be debt free or to uh, be able to have a successful career, whatever your goal is. There are going to be things in life that will distract you. No importa cuál sea la meta. La meta de cada uno de nosotros es llegar al cielo. Nuestra meta es de tener una familia con paz y con la prosperidad de Dios. Pero en todo caso va a haber distracciones. And we need to have blinders in our life that, that cause us to be blind to everything but God's purpose and God's word over our life. Tenemos que tener uh, cosas que, uh, que no que no permitan la distracción el Espíritu Santo nos ayuda a cubrir nuestra vista de las cosas que no deben tomar nuestra atención I heard the story about a lion who was hunting he caught the scent of a deer and while he was following the scent of the deer then he caught the, the scent of a rabbit so he went and started following the rabbit And then while he was hunting after the rabbit, he caught the scent of a mouse. And he started following after the mouse. So at the end of the day, the guy that started out following a deer ended up having a mouse for dinner. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, dicen que el león comenzó a, a, a cazar una, una, uh, un venado. Y mientras iba siguiendo el, uh, el olor de aquel venado... Levantó el olor de un conejo y se comenzó a, comenzó a seguir el, el conejo. Luego, mientras seguía el conejo, levantó el olor de una, una ratita y, y se fue buscando a aquella ratita. Entonces, para el fin de día, lo que comió era la ratita. Pudiera haber comido un venado. I'm not going to ask you tonight how many of you have been eating rat or, or mouse, okay? I trust you haven't. But how many times did we get started? With a direction, and then something took our focus. Cuántas veces comenzamos siguiendo un venado y luego un conejo y luego una una ratita? How many times did you start out uh, going after something big, something great, and then you got distracted by a rabbit, something smaller, and then something smaller? And the enemy will put those things in your path. El enemigo pone esas cosas. En, en tu camino, entonces dice la escritura, look straight ahead. Mira hacia, hacia, hacia adelante. The scripture says this, that we are to focus our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Dice la escritura que tenemos que enfocar, pegar, literally it uses a word that means to glue your eyes to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. One day we trained a new cameraman here at the church. And um, these were his instructions. Follow the pastor. All right. 
Un día estábamos entrenando un camarero nuevo aquí en la iglesia y le dijeron, sigue al pastor. Now sometimes the cameraman forgets to follow the pastor, right? So the, the pastor walks out of the frame, but this guy, he was good. All right, he was like, and then the worst part was that he was so good that when I went over to blow my nose and get some water, he followed me there too. They said, follow the pastor. That's what you have been instructed to do by God. He says, put your eyes, glue your eyes to Jesus. Pega tus ojos a Jesús. Don't let him out of your sight. Que no se salga de tu vista. If I said to you, look, you see that guy back there in that red baseball cap? Don't let him out of your sight because at the end of the service, he's going to give you $1,000. Oh, you guys would be watching him like an eagle. Si yo le dijera, no quite su vista de ese hermano allá con, la, con el uh, sombrero rojo porque usted después del servicio le va a dar mil dólares, usted no le quitará la vista. Hear what I'm telling you. That if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're not going to get a thousand dollars. You're going to get heaven. You're going to get eternal life. Si usted, quita, uh, si usted no quita sus ojos de Jesús, el premio es mucho mayor que mil dólares. Es el cielo. So who do we keep our eyes on? We keep on our, our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Sometimes people put their eyes on other Christians. And guess what other Christians are going to do? They're going to be human. So what do you do when a Christian lets you down? Keep your eyes on Jesus. ¿Qué hace usted cuando tiene los ojos sobre otro cristiano? ¿Qué va a hacer el cristiano? ¿Va a ser humano? ¿Va a fracasar? Entonces usted no puede tener sus ojos en aquella persona. Tiene que tener sus ojos en Cristo. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Some people keep their eyes on a church. But you know what? Churches are made up of people. Algunos tienen sus ojos sobre la iglesia. Y la iglesia está hecha de personas. And so when, when they get uh, offended by something, they leave, they leave the faith because they didn't have their eyes on Jesus. I want you to have your eyes glued to Jesus. Don't let him out of your sight. Don't let him out of your mind. Don't let him out of your heart. No deje que Jesús salga de su vista. Follow him. Say that with me tonight. Follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you'll meet the right people. And you won't meet the wrong people. Si usted sigue a Jesús, usted va, va a tener encuentros con las personas adecuadas y no va a tener encuentros con las personas que no debe tener encuentros. If you follow Jesus, you're going to find the right decisions in life. Va a ser las decisiones correctas en su vida. If you keep your eyes on him. You start focusing on other people. You start focusing on other identities, other, other ideas that people may have. And sometimes God has clearly called a person, but, but other people's voices carry a lot of sway and their eyes are just moving around. And as long as you're doing that, you're not focused. And if you wake up every morning and you decide to do something new, today I'm going to do this, and tomorrow you start a new thing, and, and Wednesday a new thing, how many things do you get done by the end of the week? None. You got to keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye and your focus on Christ. Don't look, the scripture says, let your eyes look directly ahead. And uh, let your gaze be fixed straight 
in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Have you ever seen someone who is running a race, maybe in the Olympics, who's while they're running turns around and says, hi, mom. If you do that, you're not going to win the race. You got to stay focused. Tell your neighbor, stay focused. All right, that was weak. I don't know what's going on out there. Tell your neighbor, stay focused. Now, here's, here's what I want you to know tonight. Focus demands discipline. La, el enfoque demanda la disciplina. This, I heard an O out there like, oh, man. Say this, focus. No, you guys are weak tonight. What's going on? Say focus demands discipline. That's why I didn't want to say it because y'all don't like discipline. But you know the Bible says this? The Bible says in Hebrews, dice la escritura en Hebreos capítulo 12 verso 11, porque el enfoque demanda disciplina. The Bible says all discipline for the moment seems to be not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Listen, it's going to require discipline for you to stay focused. Va a requerir disciplina para que usted se mantenga enfocado. Para que usted llegue al lugar que Dios tiene para usted, tiene que disciplinar su mente, sus pensamientos, para no distraerse de lo que Dios ha propuesto en su vida. If you're headed toward a God-given goal, listen friend, you're going to have to discipline your thoughts. You're going to have to discipline your mind, your ideas. You're going to have to discipline the music you listen to. You're going to have to discipline the voices that you let into your life. Are you listening tonight? You're going to have to discipline all of those things because if you're not careful, they will distract you from the purpose of God over your life. Usted tiene que disciplinar su mente para, para llegar al lugar, al propósito que Dios tiene para usted. And the Bible said that discipline is not joyful. It's not fun. Any of you ever been to the gym? The only fun you ever have at the gym is when you're walking out, right? It's like, <laughs> whew, it's over. It's not fun, but discipline bears fruit. La disciplina da fruto. And so you and I have to learn by the Spirit to discipline our minds, to discipline our words, to discipline our attitude, to discipline our perspective. Tenemos que disciplinar nuestra actitud, disciplinar nuestra, nuestras palabras, disciplinar nuestra perspectiva, disciplinar el enfoque que tenemos en nuestra vida. So if you're, if you're constantly, just as an example, if you're constantly focused on the negative thing, Someone brings you a gift and you see all the negatives in it. You start saying, this is probably on sale. <laughs> I already have one of these. The last one of these I had broke. You've got to discipline your mouth and your mind to say, you know what? Thank you. You got to adjust how you address that, how you receive things. And, and when you, be, it, it takes time to discipline yourself to think the way God thinks. To think the way that the Holy Spirit thinks. 
And that means you got to walk with him daily and tell him, Holy Spirit, discipline me. I discipline my mind, my thoughts, my emotions. I don't want to be carried off by my own natural man. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to have a, a Spirit-disciplined life. Quiero tener una vida disciplinada por el Espíritu. Una boca disciplinada por el Espíritu. Una actitud disciplinada por el Espíritu. And you know, the Holy Spirit will get on you. Has the Holy Spirit ever sat on you before? You have a bad attitude, and the Holy Spirit will come and sit on you right here. And say, you better go change that. You better go ask for forgiveness. You better get up and go fix this thing. No, but it was their fault. He'll discipline your attitude. If you let him. Why? Because he wants you to get where God has called you to go. El Espíritu Santo disciplina nuestra actitud. Porque él quiere que lleguemos al lugar de nuestro destino. We have to discipline the small things. You know, the small things are the things that get the least attention in the Christian life. But they're the most important. Las cosas pequeñas las tenemos que disciplinar. Porque las cosas pequeñas hacen la diferencia grande. Listen, small things make the biggest difference. Are you listening? Small things make the biggest difference. When you start dealing with small habits in your life, cuando usted comienza a poner en obra hábitos pequeños en su vida, tienen un gran galardón. Like the small habit of saying thank you. Or the small habit of telling someone I love you. Or saying I'm sorry. The small habit of assuming responsibility for things in your life. God says this in Luke chapter 16 verse 10. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. You have to discipline yourself in the little things. Are you listening? To stay focused, even with the small things. So let's talk about a little thing. Some of the little things that we can, that you can focus on. I know all of you in here make your bed in the morning. <laughs> move on, Pastor. Move on. You know that that if you learn to do that when you're little, it's a small thing, isn't it? But you learn to do that when you're little, that habit stays with you your whole life. Little things count, don't they? And you know, when you make those little steps, those little adjustments, they have a big outcome. So you get in the habit of, of looking at those small things in your life. Those little things that you might think are insignificant, but God notices the little things. And he says, if you're faithful with the small stuff, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to watch you as you're faithful with the big things. I'm not, I, I know, God says, I know I can trust you with big stuff when you can handle the little stuff. Dios nos dice, si tú puedes ser confiado con cosas pequeñas, te puedo dar cosas grandes. Así que disciplínate en las cosas pequeñas. Discipline yourself to be in the Word. 
word every day. Discipline yourself to be in prayer every day. Discipline yourself to be in the house of God every chance you get. Those are small things, friends, but they add up to big rewards. Son cosas pequeñas la oración o el estar en la palabra o el venir a la casa de Dios. Pero esas cosas añaden a hacer algo enorme en tu vida. Se añaden a hacer algo grande en tu vida. They become some. Uh, they become a part of your character. They become a part of who you are. And at the end of the day, when you have arrived, like Joseph arrived, to the palace, you're going to have the integrity and the character and the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge to know how to do the things that God called you to do. So teach your kids how to say yes, sir, and no, ma'am, how to show respect to authority. Those little things are going to count a lot when they're in the palace. When they're in a place of authority, when they're in a place of influence. Look at what Jeremiah 12, 5 says. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture as it relates to leadership. If you run with the footmen and have grown tired, how can you compete with horses? Dice Jeremías 12, 5. Si corriste con el hombre y te cansaste, ¿cómo vas a correr con los caballos? How many of you want to run with horses? ¿Cuánto quieren correr con los caballos? You want to do great things. ¿Cuánto quieren hacer cosas grandes? And God says you got to learn to run with the footmen first. Do the little things that count. Haz las cosas pequeñas que cuentan. And then the scripture uh, tells us uh, further on that we need, to, we need to not only discipline ourselves in the small things, but we need to discipline ourselves from distractions. Tenemos que disciplinarnos de las distracciones. You know that you have the authority to decide if something is going to distract you or not. That's a decision you make. Usted tiene la decisión que hacer si se va a dejar distraer por una cosa o distraer por una cosa o no. You're going through your day and something comes up and that thing maybe Maybe it costs you five or ten minutes. Maybe it costs you an hour. But you've got to decide on the, at the other side of that problem that rose up in your life, am I going to let this get me off of my mission? Am I going to let me get this, is, am I going to let this get me off of the purpose that God had for my life? Usted tiene que decidir cuando entren los problemas a tu vida, yo no voy a dejar que esta cosa me distraiga del propósito que Dios tiene en mi vida, de la misión que Dios tiene en mi vida. And guys, the devil is a master at distractions. Listen, if you're a new believer, you just started following Christ recently, I want to encourage you to be in the house of God every single Sunday morning. I didn't get any amens. Why? Because here's what happens. The enemy will bring up something on a Sunday morning for you to do, and he'll distract you. And then next Sunday, you say, well, you missed last Sunday. You might as well miss another one. And then he's got you off of the routine. And you know what? This happens to mature Christians too, doesn't it? So you got to stay focused. Don't, don't let the problems that come into your life distract you from where God is taking you. Distract you from the purpose of God in your life. The Bible said that Jesus was crossing the lake of, of uh, Galilee to get over to deliver a demon-possessed man who had 2,000 demons in him. That's a mission, isn't it? Jesus was going to deliver a man who had 2,000 demons. On the way over, there's a storm in the middle of the sea. Now, some people interpret the storm and say it's time to turn back. 
This means God doesn't want me to come out there. This means this is not God's will. You know what? I might as well just stay in my comfort zone. But Jesus calmed the storm down and then he went on and he finished his mission. Jesús cuando iba a, a traer liberación a un hombre que tenía dos mil demonios Primero cuando él iba cruzando el mar se levantó una gran tormenta Y él trajo calma a la tormenta y luego dijo vamos a ir al otro lado a cumplir esta misión And that man needed to be delivered Listen, there's always a purpose from God on the other side of your storms. So don't let the storm turn you around. No dejes que la tormenta te haga regresar a casa and just say, thank God I survived that one. No. How do you know when you've really done God's wills, when you've gotten to the other side of the storm and said, all right, Lord, what was that about? What is my mission? What is my purpose? Who am I supposed to serve? Who am I supposed to deliver? How am I supposed to be useful to you in the midst of this? Listen, on the other side of Harvey there was a world of ministry to do wasn't there and and on the other side of every storm that comes into this region there is a life to touch there is a word to deliver there is a message to preach come on somebody you've got to stay focused on what the what God has given you to say to do to accomplish there are a lot of people sitting in church who never have gotten to the place God called them to go because they got distracted They got distracted by offenses. They got distracted by the lack of finances. They got distracted by sickness or disease. They got distracted by the loss of a loved one in their life or in their family. And tonight, I'm challenging you to say, you know what? I'm not going to get distracted. No me voy a dejar distraer. Yo tengo que llegar al lugar que Dios tiene para mí. Tengo que llegar al lugar que Dios tiene para mi familia. Where will you be in a year with your goals if you haven't gotten distracted in 12 months? What will you have accomplished? What will you have accomplished for God? ¿Qué logrará usted en un año si no se deja distraer? You know, you, you get ideas from God sometimes. You get these dreams, these visions, and then you start out doing them, and then a problem comes into your life, and you stop. Don't stop. Get over the storm and keep doing the thing God put in your heart to do. And if you're easily distracted or easily forgetful, write it down somewhere. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your refrigerator. Let, remind yourself every day, this is where we're going. This is what God promised us. This is what God said he was going to do in our life. And we cannot get distracted. Another thing that distracts us is opportunities. Sometimes Sometimes opportunities come and they're good opportunities, but they're not God opportunities. Say amen, somebody. You might get an opportunity for a better job, but it's not a God opportunity. Because maybe the hours on that job are going to get you away from the house of God. You got to be able to say, Lord, I want to stay focused. I want to get where you're leading me, and I want to know that this is a God opportunity. Because good opportunities might bring some benefits in my life, but a God opportunity will bring blessing into my life. So you can't get distracted by every opportunity that comes up. Usted no se puede distraer por, distraer por todas las oportunidades que llegan a su vida. Tiene que discernir por el Espíritu si esta oportunidad es de Dios o no más una buena oportunidad. And listen, it's, it, it, I think it's better to make a little less money and keep your family in the house of God than to make a whole lot more money and not be able to grow your spiritual life. 
You got to know how to stay focused. How to say, you know what, this is a good opportunity, but where I'm at right now with God is more important. Where my family is right now with God is more important. Don't get distracted by opportunities. Another thing that distracts us is comparison. You're walking down life's journey and you start comparing yourself with other people. Well, look, they bought a new car. I need to go buy a new car. They bought a new house. I need to go buy a new house. They went back to school. I need to go back to school. You need to stop and say, wait a minute. I'm not them, and they're not me. God has a path laid out for my life. God has a path laid out for my family. I can't get distracted by comparing myself with everybody else. A veces llegamos a la, a la trampa de la comparación. Y la comparación nos distrae del propósito que Dios ha puesto en nuestra vida. Y nos, nos comenzamos a comparar con otras personas. And, uh, y comenzamos a decir, bueno, uh, uh, ellos tienen un carro nuevo, yo tengo que tener un carro nuevo. Tienen casa nueva, tengo yo que tener casa nueva. Y el carro y la casa que tienes está bien, pero por compararte a ellos, comienzas a querer uh, entrar en competencia con otra persona. Tienes que decir, no, ellos tienen un llamado, un propósito de Dios. Yo tengo un llamado, un propósito de Dios. Yo voy a hacer lo que Dios me llamó a hacer. You know, sometimes churches get into comparison. They say, Pastor, the, the church down the street is doing it like this. And the church over there is doing it like this. And you, you better hope you have a pastor, and you do here, that says, you know what? This is where God called us. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. We're going to do what God called us to do. We can't get distracted by everything, uh, every comparison that comes up in your life. And so watch out for the language of comparison. Tenga cuidado con el, el, el lenguaje de la comparación. There was a man who looked at his little uh, nine-year-old boy, and he said, man, son, by the time you, by the time he was nine, Benito Juarez was already working a job. He said, dad, by the time Benito Juarez was your age, he was the president of Mexico. Watch out. You might be comparing yourself with somebody at one level, and God says, that's not, that's not where you're at right now. You've got you've to let me do this. I know the path that I have for you. I know the plan that I have for you. And it's a good one. Dios nos dice, yo conozco el plan que yo tengo para ti. Es un plan bueno. No te distraigas con la comparación. No te distraigas con decir, aquellos tienen esto. And, you know, maybe somebody has something more than you had. But maybe they have paid a bigger price than you've paid. And watch out when you envy someone else's harvest because you don't know what it cost them. You don't know the, the trial they might have had to go through to get where they're at. So you don't envy someone else's harvest. Rejoice because you know that God, if he's faithful to them in giving them a harvest, he's going to be faithful to you in giving you a harvest. Uh, no se ponga a comparar. Dice, bueno, el Señor le dio una cosecha a ellos y a mí no me ha dado nada. Pero usted tiene que saber que a lo mejor ellos pagaron otro precio. A lo mejor ellos pasaron por cosas que usted no pasó. Maybe they lived in a car or a, house or a box in order to get where they're at. You say, Lord, I don't want to go through there. Well, don't, don't worry about comparing yourself with somebody else. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Guarde sus ojos en Jesús. No se distraiga de lo que Dios tiene para usted. We need to focus our faith 
Scripture tells us, Hebrews 12, verse 2, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. Usted tiene que enfocar su fe. You need to focus your faith. Your faith is powerful when it's focused on God. It is powerless when it's focused on anything else. La fe es poderosa cuando enfocada en Dios, pero es débil cuando está enfocada en cualquier otra cosa. Who do you have your faith in? ¿En quién tiene usted su fe? Jesus is our example of this. Jesús es nuestro ejemplo de esto. The Bible tells us that he, he had his eyes set on the cross. He had his eyes set on, on a, a vision. What was he seeing? What, what, was his, his, uh, what were his eyes seeing? He was seeing a harvest of souls. Jesús tenía sus ojos enfocados en la cruz. Tenía en su mente una visión grande de una cosecha enorme de almas. You know that Jesus was seeing you and I. He was seeing our redemption, our soul. And 33 years he lived on the earth. And every single day of that life, I'm sure the enemy was putting in his life opportunities to get distracted. Opportunities to get off course. Opportunities to go and do somebody else's will. To go and do somebody, something else that would be more attractive. But he kept his eyes on the prize. He kept his eyes on his goal. He didn't get distracted. The Bible said that he fed he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. You couldn't move him off of it. One occasion he said, we're going to Jerusalem. And Peter said, no, Lord, you don't want to go there because if you go there, they're going to crucify you. They're going to do something terrible to you. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter was trying to save his life. Peter was trying to keep him from the cross. He said, get behind me, Satan. I can't get distracted. You've got to decide tonight, I'm going to focus my faith on God. I'm going to focus my faith on that picture of what I see God doing in my life. I know there's people in here that have a dream, a vision of what God has spoken to your life. You can see in, your, in the theater of your mind the thing that God wants to do through you and through your family and through your children. And you wake up every morning with maybe different issues and different problems in your life. But in the back of your mind, there's that picture. There's that dream that you see by faith. And you say, you know what? That, that picture didn't come from man. God put that there. God put that in my, in my spirit. And what I want you to know is when you walk toward that by faith, don't get distracted. Keep your eyes on Jesus and you're going to see that picture fulfilled in your life. You're going to see God do what he promised to do in your life. When you get there, when you see it happen, you'll be able to have the reward that Jesus has. What would have happened if when Satan said to him, if you, if you want all the nations of the world, bow down to me. That was a distraction. Who's asking for your worship? Who's asking for your adoration? The enemy comes to him and tries to distract him from his purpose. Tries to distract him from his agenda. You and I are going to hear the same enemy with the same voice of distraction. You've got to focus. Focus your faith. Focus your prayers. Learn how to focus your prayer by agreeing with God and agreeing God's, with, with God's word. Learn how to pray. 
Learn how to, how to get into the word of God and use it as a weapon in your prayer life. Because you see, look, prayer is not getting God to agree with you. Prayer is getting you to agree with God. So focus your prayer life. Set it in a particular direction. Lord, I need you to do these things in my life. I need breakthrough in my life. I need to learn how to pray. I need to learn how to, how to hear your voice. I need to learn how to pray your word. I want to be effective. I want to do things the way you want them done. The Bible says this, James chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. It says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. It says, Elijah was a man with a, uh, with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Joshua prayed and the sun stopped. Daniel prayed and Babylon came to an end and Israel was released from the exile. Isaiah prayed and deliverance came from the Assyrians. What's going to happen when the church focuses its mission on praying and says, God, we're going to pray until things happen in our city, until things happen in our community. Come on, somebody. Until things happen in our life. People like to come and say, Pastor, will you pray for this situation in my life? Elder, will you pray for this in my life? And we always say yes, and we always pray for you. But here's what sometimes we want to say. Are you praying? Are you asking? Are you believing? Are you fervent? Are you eager to see what God promised you come to pass? Let me ask you again. Are you eager to see what God promised come to pass? Yeah, then focus your prayer life. Focus your, your mind on, on talking to God, on being in communion with God. Learn how to pray. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Watch the Holy Spirit teach you how to pray. You get in the prayer closet. You get in a place of, of prayer. And you just say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray. You just start talking to God like you do to a friend. And you tell him, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being so good in my life. Thank you for honoring me uh, when I, when I do, do your word and I fulfill your word. And you have blessed me. And you've blessed my family. You've honored us with your presence. And you just start talking to God like you're talking to a friend. And then you tell him about the things that are going on in your life. And the needs of your life. And the, and the, the burdens of your heart. When you focus your life on being a person of prayer, being a person who's going to be in communion with God, it doesn't just have to be at your kitchen table or your living room couch, but it can be while you're driving to work or while you're doing the dishes or while you are uh, walking through the mall or while you are uh, doing some grocery shopping, that God can be in communion with you and you can be in communion with God. You keep a focused life of prayer. And you keep your prayers focused on the word of God. The Bible says that many people do not receive what they pray for because they pray amiss. What does that mean? They pray, they pray faithless prayers. They don't believe. They, they're like a seesaw, back and forth. I believe. I don't believe. No, when you go into prayer, you've got to go in with confidence, knowing you are a blood-bought child of God. 
that Jesus has, <laughs> has gained access to the presence of God through his blood on the cross. Now you can go in with faith knowing that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory and that no good thing will he withhold from those who diligently seek him and that he is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or even imagine. Enfoque su vida de oración, una oración de fe. Porque la oración de fe es poderosa, es eficaz. No sea como el columpio que no cree y no cree, cree y no cree. No, determínese, yo le creo a Dios. Yo creo en la palabra de Dios. I want to ask you one more time. Are you eager to see God do what he's promised in your life? Then discipline your focus. Enfóquese. Enfóquese a ver el resultado de lo que Dios ha prometido en su vida. Listen, church, you can't do everything. Did you hear me? You can't do everything. But you can do everything God called you to do. Usted no puede hacerlo todo, pero sí puede hacer todo lo que Dios le llamó a hacer. So, Make a decision. I'm going to live a focused life. I'm going to live a focused life. Haga la decisión. Yo voy a vivir una vida enfocada. From the moment that Joseph had his dream, he saw himself reigning. Every place he went, he reigned. When he was in the, in the prison, he rose to the top of the prison. And he reigned over the prison. When he was in the house of Potiphar, he reigned over Potiphar's house. Every place he went, he was focused on what God had called him and equipped him to do. Until finally he came to the palace, and what did he do there? He reigned in the palace. There's a palace in your future, but you've got to focus on what God has said, what God has promised, what God has put in your spirit that he wants to do. And tonight I want to pray for you. That you will be able to focus on the things that God has called you to do. Right there on your notes, and if you have a piece of paper, the back of your Bible, I want you to jot down three things real quick. All right? We're going to do a little homework tonight. Three things. I want you to jot down the three goals that you believe God wants you to fulfill in the next year. Escriba ahí en sus notas las tres metas que usted cree que Dios quiere que usted cumpla en los próximos en el próximo año. Three goals that you believe you know this is what God wants me to do in the next year. You know what they are? Can you see them? Maybe he wants you to finish school. Or maybe he wants you to restore a relationship. Or maybe he wants for you to start a ministry or a small group. I don't know what the goals are that God has put in your life. You know what he's spoken to you. ¿Qué son las tres metas? Maybe you have many, but just the top three. Tres metas que usted tiene, que sabe que Dios quiere que usted cumpla en su vida. I like this. Everybody's thinking. 
llegaron ya les escribió All right. We're going to pray over these things here in a moment. But I want to ask you a question. What would happen in the next year if you focused on getting these three things done? ¿Qué pasaría en un año si usted se enfoca en hacer estas tres cosas? Pastor, why are you talking about this? Here's a little clue. Every November here at Kingsway Church, we start talking about the new year. But it's barely November. We haven't even had Thanksgiving yet or Christmas. We're going to start talking about 2018 this month. Why? Because I want you to get into the new year already knowing what God wants you focused on. Knowing what God has called you to do in the next year. Did you write those things down? How many of them are a little bit scary? A little bit big. ¿Cuántos escribieron algo que los asusta un poco? Es un poco grande. Una meta grande. What happens if you and I focus on what God has called us to do? If we say, you know what, devil? You might as well take a year off because I'm not going to give you any time in the next year. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to give you a minute of my time. I'm not going to give you one dollar of my money. ¿Qué pasa si usted dice, Diablo, este año que viene no te voy a dar ni un solo minuto de mi tiempo? Y no me vas a desanimar y no me vas a quitar de donde Dios quiere que yo esté y no te voy a dar ni un dólar. What would happen if you and I woke up every morning and we walked in the direction of God's vision and dream for our life? I promise you, this thing that God has put into your heart, He has already put within you the things that are needed to accomplish it. He's already put within you the skills, the gifts, the calling, the anointing, the power to do it. He's already put within us the ability to accomplish his vision for our life. Everything Joseph needed to become the ruler of Egypt, God deposited into him when he began to dream. But he had to stay focused. I want you to get a laser beam focus. If you're, if you're saying, God, I want to know your word better in a year. I want to be able to, I want to be able to know what you have said on, on this particular subject or topic in my life. That you can begin to study the word of God with laser focus, with intensity. Maybe you said, God, I want to get out of this credit card debt and it's going to take me a year to do it, but I'm going to focus. What's going to happen in your life if you Cut off every other distraction and just do the things God wants done. All right. You got them? Stand up. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray a blessing over you tonight. It's possible that in a year from tonight, Every single one of the goals you wrote there, if they're God's goal, will be fulfilled. I didn't hear any amens.
It's also possible that none of them will be fulfilled if you don't focus. If you don't get up every morning and say, God, lead me, guide me. I've got to get this done for you. I've got to do what you called me to do. Would you just raise your hands? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would cleanse our spiritual vision from all of the grime and the mud and the dust that would keep us from being able to see precisely what it is that you have designed us to do. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit's anointing would quicken in the body of Christ a spirit of increase where we might believe that by faith we can accomplish the purpose of God in our generation. And we will not sit another year wondering when will this happen, but we will see it happen in the coming year because we have decided to believe God and to obey him. I pray your blessing upon your people. Bless them, God, as they work toward the vision and the call that you have placed in their life. I pray that supernatural increase will come to their finances. I pray that the seed that they have sown will bear fruit and that their financial seed will bear an abundance of fruit in this coming year. I pray that you will curse every discouragement, every power of fear and anxiety, and everything that would distract them, every memory that would keep them from their future. We, we, we pray that you would remove that from their mind and from their heart. Take the pain out of it. Take the sorrow out of it, that they might not remember it anymore, but they might see what you are going to do in their tomorrow and run with diligence toward the purpose of God in their life. I pray your blessing upon their home life, upon their children, upon their seed and their grandchildren as well. And I ask you, God, to bless their going out and they're coming in. Make them powerful in their spiritual warfare. Open up the word to them so that they, when they read the word, they will see new things. The inside of the word will come and bear fruit into their life. I pray for clarity in their spirit that they might hear the voice of God and not the voice of the enemy. That they might hear the voice of the shepherd and never be distracted again. I pray, Father, for a year that would see your glory in every sphere and area of their life and we ask you God for an obedient spirit because the things we've written down tonight will require us to take steps of obedience they will require us to say no to some things and yes to other things they will require us to sever relationships and begin new things and so I pray for an obedient spirit upon your church make us obedient to your voice obedient to your spirit's leading that we might possess all the things that you have designed for us to do. Make us a focused people. We set our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Perfect our vision, Lord. Perfect our faith, God. In Jesus' name, we ask you to bless them and keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them your peace. I ask you that in Jesus' name and for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. Just talk to the Lord for a moment. 
If there's been a distraction you're dealing with, give it to God tonight. Give it to God. You're going through a storm. Tell him, Lord, don't let this storm stop me. Maybe your vision has been on the wrong person, on the wrong object. Your faith has been on the wrong thing. God, tell him, God, tonight I want to put my vision on you. I want to focus on you. If you need to repent before him, just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been focusing on the wrong things. I've been focusing on the wrong people. I want to focus on you, what you've spoken, what you've promised over my life.